Praise God. So let me let me just do this. If you're on the Freedom Prayer team, stand up. Just stand up so everybody can see around there. Okay. So these people stand around you. They all can tell you anything you want to know more about this. If you want to have, you got any questions? You, man, this is a. The, y'all can sit down. It, it's a. It's an amazing thing that's taking place. It's a great. Uh, I'm not going to call it a program because it's an encounter with God that. People are praying through here and, and the church and getting victory and freedom. And so if you want more about that, talk to one of them. We'll get you rolling and going. Amen. Okay, praise God. I'm going to preach to you this morning. And uh, this is going to be this, this is going to be several weeks uh, of messages. I don't know how long, uh, but it's going to be at least a few for sure. But uh I don't usually do this, but I'm going to tell you where I'm going so you can kind of take note. Maybe if you miss, you need to get hold of, you need to go to the Waterhole broadcast and, and listen because you're going to want to hear these three messages because I can't preach it all today unless y'all just want to have camp meeting today. I can preach till 5, 6 o'clock this evening, no problem. But uh, if I do it, then I don't think y'all are going to be listening. And so I'm going to have to break it up. But you're going to want to hear every one because they're going to, they're going to be in a sequential order. Here, the first thing we're going to, you know, we're going to be talking about today is where you stand with God. Okay, we're going to be talking about the life of grace. Then we're going to go into what you've been redeemed from. And then you're going to, then the last messages are going to be about how to apply the grace of God to your life. And I want to paint this picture for you. And I'm probably going to say a lot of things today that you may have already heard. But I pray that I, I, I say it in a different way that the Holy Ghost illuminates it to you because I'm trying to paint a picture for you this morning because you got to get a you got to get a foundation in your life. You got to get you got to be able, you know, it's like oh, I'll tell this on myself. I uh, you know, my son, he has a a business where he he has a live camera feed system and 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 catches and manages animals on ranches. And so I help him build the cameras. And so my job has always been just to cut the wires. He has so many wires that go into the camera to make the whole box up. And so he gives me a list. I need so many 8-inch wires. I need so many 12-inch wires. I need these to have ring connectors. I need these to have spade connectors. And this has to be this gauge, 16-gauge. Here's a 12-gauge. I need a 22-gauge wire. I don't know what I'm doing. I just got a list of wires. And so I stand there, and I go in there, and I just measure them all off, cut them all, solder them all together, make all the wires, put them into a box, and give it to him. And then he comes in later, and then he starts putting all the components in the camera and wiring all the wires up. Well, the other day he said, hey, Dad, you need to start doing the camera wiring because I'm too busy, and you're going to take on this. So I said, well, okay. So I've been cutting these wires for like a year. All I've been doing is cutting wires. So many reds, so many blacks, so many links, so many gauges, all this kind of stuff. But I had never assembled a camera. And then all of a sudden I had all the components, and I began to take Oh, okay, that's why I cut that wire 12 inches long, because it's going to go from here to here. And as I began to put it together, then all of a sudden a new picture came to my mind of what I was doing. And I think a lot of times you're just like, when I did that, the Holy Ghost just spoke to me, says what a lot of Christians are doing in life. You have pieces, you have components, but you've never really assembled the big picture of how the thing's supposed to work. How my grace is supposed to come into your life. How I'm supposed to be. You, you don't know through prayer how I want to apply my, my wisdom, how I want to bless you. You don't know how to receive it from heaven because you've got a whole bunch of components, but you don't know how to put it together. Okay? So that's what I'm going to get into. That's what we're going to look at. That's where we're going to go down. 
And so I've already gotten ahead of myself. See, I wrote it on my Palm Pilot to tell y'all and then, <laughs> then forgot it here. Uh, the plan this week, the plan this week is Luke chapter 6. Luke 6. So it's your daily reading or your reading for this week. Luke chapter 6 is the plan. Okay. So let me pray. And then we're going to get started. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that as I speak these words, they're not my words, but they're your words. They're going to be words that are going to be help, able to help us to assemble the whole pro, uh, program, Lord, in our heads to be able to understand what you want us to do, how we're supposed to be walking with you, what's taking place, what's going on, Lord God, and to get a complete picture so we can be complete and whole in you. And so, Holy Ghost, I thank you for doing it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... I'm, I'm going to go kind of fast here, but if you go into Genesis chapter 3 and you look at verse 17, we see the fall in the garden, okay? We got to start off at the beginning in order before we can move on, all right? You see the fall in the garden. You see God said that there's one tree just you can do anything you want to. You can romp and rustle and run through the garden all you want to do, but just leave that one tree alone, all right? And then the serpent comes in. Satan comes in. He deceives him, says, oh, he just, God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. And, you know, the deception takes place. It all happens. They bite the proverbial apple, and then boom, bada-bing, they are out. They're out of the garden because they have broken fellowship. Everybody say broken fellowship. God said you can do anything, just don't do one thing. They did it. They broke fellowship with God. And it says in verse 17, then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. The, the, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for the dust you are, and for the dust you shall return. None of that sounds good. They're, I, I, they're, they're in the garden, Adam and Eve walking around, having the greatest time of their life. God comes into the garden every day, comes and talks with them. It's great. It's glorious. They're all there. And then all of a sudden, boom, outside, thorns, thistles, sweat. None of that's good. Right? This earth became cursed at that moment of original sin. And it fell upon all of mankind. For all mankind born after that, there was a problem. It wasn't the way God wanted it to be. Are y'all with me? It's cursed. So, if you look at Luke chapter 4, verse 5, when the devil is tempting Jesus, because you've got to understand about this curse, when the devil is tempting Jesus, in verse 5 it says, the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said, get behind me, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord God, and him only shall you serve. Okay, now wait a minute. Where did the devil get the authority? He got the authority there in the garden. How could he stand and tell Jesus, I'll give you all this authority if he didn't have authority to give. Wouldn't Jesus have said, what are you talking about? Boy, it ain't yours. Right? He did have said, shut up. Get out of here. You ain't got no authority. You, were, you used to be under daddy and he kicked you out. No, he, something happened. 
So what happened in the garden was when Adam sinned, there was a transfer of authority and the devil ends up having authority and that's why the world's cursed because he is the father of lies. He wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. Does not killing, stealing, and destroying thorns, thistles, and sweat all sound about the same? I don't know about you, but I don't want to work. As Hosea said, I don't want to work to put my money in bags that has holes in it. You know, they always talk about wanting to go into the areas of, of, of the world where, there, where there's poverty, and they want to change the poverty. The only thing that's going to ever really truly change poverty is the gospel. Because no matter what happens, a person who has a, a mentality and they have bags that have holes in them, they're living under the curse, the curse is upon them, and they're walking in it, and they're going to never be prosperous. If you gave them $1,000 every day, it's still going to go out somewhere because the devil has a way to kill, steal, and destroy. Thorns, sweat, thistles. Okay? So this is the entrapment. God's got this world. He's got this world made, and he wants, man, he wants to bless. He wants to have fellowship. He wants garden walk every day with you. You hear what I'm saying? He wants a garden walk every day with you. He wants to come in there, sit down with you. Hey, how's it going? We're talking God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And all therein, that guy wants to talk to you. He wants to have fellowship with man. He loves man. I don't know why sometimes. But he loves man. He loves human beings. He loves them. And he wants to have a relationship with them, a fellowship, but there's this broken fellowship. It's gotten broken from the original sin in the garden. Something has to be done about it. So God says, okay, I'll tell you what. Tells Moses, come on up on the mountain, and let's see if we can do something about this. I like you. I want to work with you. So he says, okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to go make an altar. We're going to call it the mercy seat. And you're going to put the, you're going to put the, you know, I preached that message about that. It's like the Bible's inside, the commandments, the testimony was inside. He said, you're going to put that inside. You're going to get the mercy seat. And through this mercy seat, you're going to do what's called the Day of Atonement. Everybody say the Day of Atonement. You can find this in Le Leviticus 16. Leviticus 16.30. It says, and in that day, the priest shall make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It's a Sabbath, a solemn rest for you. You see what he said? It's, it's going to happen so he can cleanse you of your sins. What's the problem with the broken relationship? What's the problem? Why was there a broken relationship? Right, sin. So he says we're going to get rid of the sin issue so that there can be fellowship again. All right? So he says, it's, a Sabbath, it's going to be a Sabbath of a solemn rest to you. shouldn't afflict your soul. It's a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed to consecrate to minister his priesthood in the Father's place shall make an atonement. He'll put on the linen clothes, the holy garments, then he shall atone for the holy sanctuary and shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people in the assembly. And this shall be an everlasting statute for you. And you shall to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. So once a year, the high priest, he would go into the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was, where the Spirit of God descended into the tabernacle and met with, with the high priest. He would go in there and he'd anoint. He'd pour out the blood on the mercy seat. He'd anoint the corners of the mercy seat. He'd pour out, put out the blood of a, of, a, of, a, of a bull or a lamb or whatever was required at that time. He would put it out right there. He'd put the mercy seat on there. And then God said, this is what I'm going to do. 
I am going to not look at the sins of Israel for a year. That doesn't mean Israel wasn't still doing things wrong, but it meant I am gonna, I'm going to let that represent and that, that blood that on that mercy seat is going to cry out for you that the door is open, that, that you, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to, to withdraw myself from you. I'm going to have the door open so that you can come to me and we can have some fellowship. All right? So, here we go. They all started, you know, doing this, but there was a problem. Because Israel, because mankind tends to do things because of the original sin, still tends to break commandments. We can't get it right. We keep wanting to do things our way. And so we keep getting in trouble. So God said, okay, with the Day of Atonement, I have the door open, but your daily sins that you're making, you come to the temple, you make another sacrifice, and I'll, I'll see that. Okay, so you could go through the back of the, Levit- the book of Leviticus, read starting chapter 1, read all the way through 16, 17, 18, right? and then it talks about, okay, there's a, there's a peace offering, there's a sin offering, there's this kind of offering, there's that kind of offering, you did this, you got mad, you kicked the dog, there's a sacrifice for that, you... Chew out the white, there's a sacrifice for that. You cuss somebody out in town, there's a sacrifice for that. You step on a dead animal, there's a sacrifice for that. You just had a list of do's and don'ts. Okay? So God, he said that he never knew, he never, God always knew that man wouldn't keep it. But because of our stupidity, he said they want to try to. They want to try to do this by works. They want to try to be perfect before me. So they're going to try, and unless I show them they can't, then they're going to keep trying. So he said the law, never, they never were going to fulfill it. But the point I want you to see is the Old Testament is always types and shadows of what's coming in the new. And in the Old Testament, you see this, the Day of Atonement, the doors open, and then you make your sacrifices. You can still get back into fellowship with God but they just didn't do it. Israel didn't do it. They didn't walk in it. They wouldn't keep it. So God had another plan. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. God had another plan. Thank you, Lord, you had another plan. So he said, okay, I got a new plan. Hebrews 9, 11. But Christ came as a high priest to the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by the means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Okay, so he says, I tell you what, now... Because you remember I, I showed you this in a, you had another message about how that 
the tabernacle that Moses constructed on this earth was a it was a pattern. And a pattern it means there's an original. The original was in heaven. The pattern Moses made. God said, I gave you a pattern. So what happens is Jesus goes into the holy place. Remember when he was when he was first resurrected, Mary saw him and he said, Don't touch me, for I've not yet ascended to my father and your father. So you're God and my God. So he went to the throne, into the mercy seat, and put his own blood in heaven on the mercy What did that do for us? He said it brought eternal. Not just a one year's covering, it bought an eternal open door that we could walk through to have fellowship with God. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all looking at me like a cow going through a new gate here, but y'all got this? He puts his blood on the mercy seat. Now the atonement is not a one-year atonement. It is a eternal atonement. All right? Now, he says this blood cries out, and it deals with the original sin. Because I've made an eternal open door, but there's a stipulation. The only way you're going to get to the Father is through me. So unless you believe that I am the Son of God and that my blood is crying out for you and you look into that, you're not entering in. You're still outside. There's a, there's a message going around the world today that when Jesus poured his blood on the mercy seat, then all the world's forgiven and everybody's going to heaven. But that's not true. Because you still have to go to Jesus and believe in him. That's what appropriates this covenant. Now, like I said, I, I did a message on covenant here not too long ago, but let's just say, let's just say, I, Grant and I, we cut covenant together. What I, and we make our, our, our arrangement of what we're going to do for each other. We cut covenant together. And then Frank wants to come in and cut covenant with Grant. Well, just because I've got a covenant with Grant doesn't mean Frank gets what I got. That has to be stipulate, stipulated in the covenant. But what Jesus said is, I'm making a covenant with God Almighty. My blood is being poured out on the mercy seat. And so anybody that makes a covenant with me, you're in. You follow me? That's why I'm saying Jesus dealt with original sin, that original sin in the garden that would redeem you from the curse because he said, if you believe in me, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. And if you believe in me, I'm taking you out of this curse over here into the blessing. But you can't live in the curse blessed. Go look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. He said, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he added, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. This is all the things that took place when Jesus' blood has been poured out for us. Now, where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering of sin. The original sin. Listen to me now. This is where we get, it gets, we get confused. Because you say, well, Pat, Robert, I still sin. I still make mistakes. Absolutely you do. But it's where you're making the mistakes at that makes a difference. What he's talking about is the original sin that happened in the garden because of the blood being poured out on the mercy seat, 
that original sin is dealt with. If you want to come into the kingdom, you can now through Jesus. That sin is not holding you bound. You're following me? You see, because Adam sinned, and the and, and book of Romans tells us when Adam sinned, that sin went upon all mankind. There was always something calling out guilty. You can say, well, that's so long ago. I didn't have nothing to do with eating no apple in the garden. No man, no difference. It came upon humanity, all of us, because of that original sin. Jesus dealt with that. He ended that. That's been dealt with. But the only way it's been dealt with, it's over with, it's gone, right? But you still got to bring Jesus into your life because he's the one that made the covenant with God. Y'all follow me? I see a few heads nodding here like somebody's catching it. Now, there is, now, where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. So I'm not making an offering for the original sin, right? But I want to show you in the scripture here in just a minute over in, in 1 John 1, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Yeah, but I'll show you, it's where you're at. Let me finish this. Therefore, brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, you're going to enter the holiest, you're going to enter the throne of God, you're going to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Okay? Let me give you another scripture. I like to prove everything by the word. I don't want to just come up here and preach Robert. Go to Colossians 1.9. Colossians 1.9. For this reason... We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and he's conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love and whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so you were in this world prior to you making Jesus the Lord of your life. You're in this world living under the curse, right? Blood, sweat, and tears. Healing, stealing, and destroying by the enemy. Here you were in this world. You were under the curse. Then you say, because Jesus made a way. He made a way for you to be redeemed. He made a way for the price to be paid for you and the Father. You looked over there one day and you said, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. All of a sudden, whoo, you translated out of the kingdom of darkness, boom, over into the kingdom of his dear Son. You're out of that kingdom. Everybody say, I'm out of that kingdom. You're out of that kingdom. You're not under the curse. You're now under grace. You're in the kingdom of his grace. You're over here in this whole other kingdom that operates and functions totally different than the curse. It's called the blessing. It's grace. You're in this kingdom. Spiritually speaking, you got translated. You're over here. 
Now you're standing in here. Now there's a whole nother set of rules, a whole nother, a whole nother set of, 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 of applications, a whole nother set of principles of the way the kingdom of, of grace works. It's a completely different. It is not like that kingdom over there. The kingdom over there is a kingdom that's going to kill, steal, and destroy blood, sweat, and tears. This kingdom over here is God's grace, his mercy, his, his, his love pouring out for you, his abundance, his healing, his everything's coming out, pouring out over here for you because you're not under the curse, you're under grace. Grace is a position. Grace is where you stand. Grace is not a, 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 a feeling. Grace is not, you know, glory falling from heaven. I mean, it's glorious, but it's not something, a sun ray hitting you. Grace is where you're standing in relationship with God. You're in grace through the blood of Jesus. It says you can come boldly into the throne room of grace. It's the throne room of grace where you can receive mercy. It's right here. You're now in this other kingdom. You're in this other pathway. You're in this other world. It's called grace. It's where you're standing. Now, are you going to do everything perfect? No, because we got all kinds of crazy ways of thinking because we've been living under the curse. Our, our military personnel, they, they come home and they have PTSD because they've been living in war zones where you, you, you don't know whether if a, if a, a rocket's going to hit you at night. You don't know what's going to happen. You're outside. You know if there's a sniper in the tree. And then you come home and you're into a different place. And now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, you're outside. You're just going grocery shopping. Everybody else is just going grocery shopping, doing whatever. But they're still wondering if there's a sniper around. Well, you can't live in the kingdom of grace if you've still got the ways of thinking of the world. See, we need a whole lot more than freedom prayer. Freedom prayer helps us to get set free from those world ways of thinking so we can operate over here in the kingdom of God ways of thinking. But you've got to get into yourself today that if Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, it's just like this. I don't, I, I don't want to be so brutal, but I've got to be brutal with you. If you... No, right now, if you're going to drop dead, that you're going to go to heaven. You know it right on the inside of you. You know you're right with God. You've not mentally assented, well, I've been a pretty good person. I know I'm better than they are, and they think they're going to heaven, and I certainly hope so. You're not, I'm talking about you know down on the inside of you, not because somebody told you, not because you got some letter from some church where you were baptized in, not because you got some kind of something, something that took place somewhere that you did some kind of religious thing. You know it down inside of your spirit. You know because you asked Jesus to come into your life. You said, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I ask you to forgive me my sins. Then you know you're saved. Because see, folks, there has to be some, something happen on the inside of us. That cannot be something that happens just in our head. If you're talking about just head knowledge, well, then I don't know. Because a lot of people got some head knowledge, but they got no heart knowledge that they're saved, that they're right with God. Listen to me. I don't do everything right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one on myself this morning. I, I got this little word game that I play on my, on my phone that, that you spell words, and, and it's supposed to make you smarter, and I'm a terrible speller. And so I've been starting to challenge myself about doing this, and so I, I've been doing it. And then I found out that they have a tournament, and you can get in, and you get points. And then you do this, and then I found out how to cheat. <laughs> so I'm sitting at a simple word game, which you should just be praying to get smarter, and I have found out how to cheat. I figured it out. And this morning, I was cheating. As I was getting my message, I'm praying 
over the whole service while I'm cheating. So, I mean, I ain't got everything right. I'm not perfect. I'm a cheater. And I was laughing at all the other people because I could tell they don't know how to cheat. Because they weren't getting many points, and I was just blowing through it, and they're not getting as many points, and I'm cheating and winning. And then, they're all, then I can see somebody comes up, and he starts cheating, but I just beat him. I, I just endure him. I'm longer. I'm longer. I'm, I can just sit there consistently and cheat for an hour, and they can't do it. And then it's, I just knock them off, and they just give up. And I'm like, ha, you gave up. And I win. My wife tells me, Robert, that's not even right. I said, I don't care. I beat them boys down. So I'm just telling you, I didn't get it right, okay? But I'm in grace. I'm not under the curse. I have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. I am now in the kingdom of his son. I'm not going back because I know that 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 I'm saved. Nothing I did by works. But what I did by faith within my heart, confessing and believing in Jesus, boom, man, hit me. That took me over into that other kingdom, the kingdom of grace. And the kingdom of grace is where we have to live. But there's a problem. The problem is the devil's always sitting over here in the kingdom of wickedness, the kingdom of the world, yelling at you that you don't belong in grace. He's always trying to get you to come back over onto his side so he can kill, steal, and destroy. He's always whispering, you're not good enough. You can't do that. He doesn't love you. You're an idiot. I can't believe you're a cheater. That's what he says. And then all of a sudden, we're like this. We're like looking at the glory of God. We're over here in the kingdom of grace. Oh, oh, oh I love you, Father. I said, like, And then we're looking over there and saying, oh, really? And then you start walking back, and then you're just standing there. And the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is, I believe that there's a great chasm between the two, and you can't get over. But I believe we can stand with our tiptoes on the very edge of the chasm looking over. Really? I'm not good enough. I can't go for it. And get trapped there and never walk in the grace of God, never receive the benefits from heaven, never get his love, never walk in mercy, never walk in abundance, never walk in healing, never walk in anything because we've got our toes on the edge of the chasm looking over back into the world thinking, I guess I shouldn't have done that. I guess this is what God's not really going to do this. And he talks you out of it because he's yelling across the chasm to you. Well, you know, sometimes God just puts sickness on you, try to kill you, you know, and get you right down to the bottom, just get you right down to the, your last breath, and he'll let you live to see if you're not going to serve him. And people come up with stupid doctrines and stupid things, and they get them all at the edge of the chasm. That's where they get stupid doctrine. Because they don't get stupid doctrine staring into the face of the Almighty God in grace and mercy and truth and a loving his mercy and glory. They don't get the they don't, you don't get stupid revelations there. You get messages about love and grace and, and all the good and how good God is and healing and mercy for the people. That's what you get staring into the face of God. But the devil talks you out of it. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin. And once you once walked according to the course of the world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. How much, how much, folks, how much exceeding, if God says he wants to show you exceeding riches, how much exceeding riches do you think that is? Isn't that the truth? God said, I'm going to do exceedingly. How much is God's exceeding? Somebody's going to come into the church and say, oh, I want to be really generous today. I'm going to, give, I'm going to give more than I've ever given in church. I'm going to, I'm going to bless them. You know, well, what would it take to be exceeding? Man's exceeding can't even reach God's exceeding. And he said, I want to give you exceeding. If you're not living in exceeding abundance, then I'm telling you, you've fallen short of what God has for you. He said, well, I don't know, preacher. You know, I'm not very good. Ah, you've been listening to what's on the other side of the chasm. Because what I'm about to tell you is going to blow your socks off. Let me finish this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk therein. Now, go to, the God, go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You see, the problem is, we ask Jesus to come into our life. He comes into our life. We're so grateful that he came into our life. We're so grateful that we're safe. But then we come with this old sin mentality. We come with this old kingdom mentality over there into the kingdom of grace. Because God says, you have to renew your mind. I'm not going to come in there. I wish you would. I wish you'd just get saved. <laughs> Brain cells just <laughs> lost all the... The, the downloads uh, of bad thoughts just came out, and you were just like, oh, hello, hallelujah. But it didn't happen that way. You have to renew your mind. And if you got old world thinking in your mind, when you get in there and you're in the kingdom and you try to apply old world thinking into new world order that you're in here in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone, that's all of us, right? Anyone would have to be every person. He's a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us unto us the word of his reconciliation. So now we're in the kingdom of God, and you're in the kingdom of God, and you are equal to everybody else that's in the kingdom of God. See, he, the world system, no, no. The world system, it's either by your intelligence, your money, your status, who you're married to, your inheritance, whatever. That puts you in statuses here. And if you've ever been around, you know, the world much, they always say, well, you know, you can't jump classes. Anybody ever heard that? You can't jump classes. In other words, if you're a poor dirt farmer, you're not going to be a, you can't jump the class and get up here as an oil man. So what happens is, just like we see going on the Eagleford down here, the poor dirt farmer becomes abundantly wealthy, right? 
but he's still a poor dirt farmer. No matter what his class is, they're not going to let him move up. That's the world's way of doing things. You're born into the right family. You got the right stuff. You're up here. God says, it's not like it over my kingdom. My kingdom over here, you're as righteous as Moses. You're as righteous as Daniel. You're as righteous as, as, as matter of fact, Jesus says, you're as righteous as I am because you're my brother. And you can come and sit with me on the throne. That's crazy. That's crazy. There's no class. You're righteous. I preached this, a message similar to this years ago, and I called it from a sinner to a saint in a second. And that's what happens to you when you get saved. You went from a sinner to a saint in a second. So you're, you're right there. Okay. You're right there with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's not more righteous than you. And your mental mind says, I can't be. I mean, I'm still making mistakes. I'm still cheating. <laughs> Hello? And so what you do is you don't walk in the benefits because you don't put yourself, you've got old world thinking in your head. You can't believe that Jesus wants to talk to you and that his blood cries out for you and that his blood makes you righteous, that the old sin has been gone away. There is no original sin crawling out upon you. Go to, go to uh, 1 John, 1 John 1. I was telling my wife, I wish I had another word for it. And I, I, don't, I don't know a word for it. I don't know how any else to do it. Because whenever I say the word sin, it puts up, depending on how you were raised, it puts something in your mind. Like you may have been told when you were growing up, you know, it's, it's the, the big mortal sins, dancing, drinking, smoking, and cussing. And if you weren't doing those, you were okay. But we know that Jesus knows it. it's always talking about the heart. So you could be involved in jealousy, anger, greed, and lust, and those are more killers than the others. But when we say sin, we're thinking about sinning over here in the kingdom. But I want to I I just change your thinking for just a moment. When you're in the kingdom of grace, which you know you're in the kingdom of grace if you're saved, you're in the kingdom of grace, technically it's not the same sin as it was when you were out in the world. But the Bible uses the same word, sin. It's the word called peripatoma. It means a side slip. Okay? So I can't use any other word because I don't know any other word to use. But you've got to understand something. Sinning in grace is different than sinning in the world. Sinning over here is taking you to hell. Sinning over here is breaking your fellowship. Hear me now. Sinning in the world without the grace of God, sending you to hell. You got translated out of here, though. You're over here in the kingdom of grace. Now you're in grace. Sinning over here just breaks your fellowship with God. We're back to broken fellowship. So remember the Old Testament? The Day of Atonement, the blood was poured out. It was good for one year. And then daily or weekly, the people brought their sacrifices back to make atonement for the sins they committed that week. So in the kingdom over here, the blood of Jesus is crying out for you at the throne that the door is wide open. 
but your broken fellowship needs to be dealt with, so you're going to have to do some repenting. It's not repenting so that you get saved again. It's repenting because it keeps you from having broken fellowship with God. That's all it is. It's just merely saying, I mean, you know, come on, folks, and you're raising your children. You, you don't, they don't do something wrong, and you say, that's it, I don't love you, get out of the house. I mean, you may have been raised like that, and it was wrong, but I'm telling you, what happens is you, you may get mad at them, you may discipline them, but you love them, and they're still in the kingdom, but then after a while, you restore that fellowship. Trust is built, and you gain that fellowship again. It's the same way in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of grace. All your sinning did is break your fellowship with God, and it's all on your part. Never on his, because his door is wide open, because the blood of Jesus has got it open for you. He's not going nowhere. It's you breaking fellowship and then starting to listen to the devil across the chasm again. You mess up. You get angry. You, 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 whatever happens, you get angry. Let's just use that. And so now you're mad. So you're angry. And so you begin to murmur. You begin to complain. You begin to say, everybody's always against me. And they're just always going to, and they don't ever do right. And they think they're so good. And they don't, and you just go off like this. And you're just, you're just being a bucket mouth. And you're just, you know, letting it rip. And you're just snorting and flying and everything spit going. And you're just, man, you just go whip it out there. Well, what you do is the whole time you're doing that, you're edging yourself a little bit closer to that chasm. Until you finally find yourself with your toes hanging off right on the edge of the chasm. And then you're like, no, nobody loves me. And then you just get worse. And then the devil's over there saying, hey, yeah, come on. Here, come on. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody wants you to do that. And he wants you just, but you can't get back because of the chasm. But you'll stand there and not proceed and progress on with God because you're looking over on the other side, listening to the devil, and you spend time and you waste time doing that, then what happens is you're just missing fellowship with God. The whole time God's beaming forth, doors open because of the blood of Jesus is crying out for you. There's right, You can go walk right into the throne. God wants to speak to you. God's going to talk to you. God's going to bless you. God's right there. He says his arms are open wide. Say, come on, come on. <clears throat> but you've stopped. I'm preaching really, really, really good. I'm telling you. This is good stuff. You need to be grabbing hold of it with all your heart. So 1 John 1, 5 says, This is a message which we heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth's not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's not talking about cleansing you from the original sin. He's talking about cleansing you in this broken fellowship, in this life of grace. He's talking about you know you messed up, so you need to, do, you need to repent. Repent's a great word. Repent restores your relationship and your fellowship with God. And what does it take? It takes an acknowledgement from you to say, I'm wrong. Now listen to me. This is why I'm saying it gets a little confusing. You have to know where you are. If a person, just hear me out here, okay? Don't throw anything at me, but just listen to what I got to say. If a person is standing over here in the, in the kingdom of darkness, and that person says, well, I guess it didn't do right. God forgive me. But they're in the kingdom of darkness. They've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life. They've never been saved. There's no basis for the answer even to that prayer. 
It's got to start with getting over into grace. You with me? People stand over here in the kingdom of darkness all the time and they say, God, if you were so good, you know, you'd heal so-and-so. If you, you know, you, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't love me. Well, but they're lost. If they were, God was a good God, well, then why is there tornadoes? Why is there hurricanes? Why does this thing happen? Why is there, God's if he's the author of all this, so what you do? And they stand over here in the kingdom of darkness trying to figure something else. Have you ever tried to do anything in the dark? You know how difficult it is to do anything in the dark? It's always easier to turn the lights on. Right? But you're in the kingdom of darkness? No, no, no. But now, so it is over here. The person standing in grace. They, they're out, they got translated. They got saved. They made Jesus the Lord of their life. They know that they're saved, but then they're living with that old course of the world going through their mind Standing over and saying, God, he'll never forgive me. I'm just so bad. I just do this all the time. And he's not ever going to do help me. And I don't know why he doesn't help me. And I guess he's no draw. You're just, you're just living listen, in the old world's ways. And you're over here in the kingdom of grace. Folks, you've got to know where you are. If you're in the kingdom of grace, I'm telling you this morning, all of heaven is open to you. And God wants to shine his light down into your life. And he wants to change you and set things free. It may not come about like you think it should. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. That's a principle of the kingdom of heaven. Well, I ain't going to forgive them. By golly, they did brawl. Then you're not walking in the principles of the kingdom of God, so you're not going to find the blessings of God. It doesn't make any difference. That's just not right because I didn't do anything wrong, and that's just, it's not going to be right. You can grab that all you want to. You can jump up and down, squall, and do, but all you're doing is standing on the edge of the chasm, still listening to the voice of the enemy, and you're not getting anywhere with God. Because in God, he says, man, I'm the light. And if you fellowship with me, and it's a whole lot better just to turn around all the time. Every time you're not going somewhere, every time you find you're right on the edge of the chasm, to just stop and say, you know, Lord, I'm an idiot. I know I'm an idiot. I know I did everything wrong. I'm made out of dirt. It's, I just thank you for I'm in the kingdom. I mean, show me, Holy Ghost, what to do. I'll forgive. I'll give. I'll bless. I'll do whatever I want to. I just want to walk with you. And if you do that in a humble heart, then you're just going to get moving right on. But if you want to stand and hold court in the kingdom of grace and, you know, get petitions and protesters for you to say God needs to change things, you can do that all day long, but God is just going to keep shining forth, beaming out his grace and let you protest. It ain't going to do you any good. You're not going to get anywhere. Wear your feet out. Get spinners in your hands from the signs. You've got to know where you are, church. How, what we're doing is we're in the kingdom over here. We're in the kingdom of grace. You've gotten saved. You've made the, make, the, the most important decision in your life. You're in here, but you don't know how to operate in the things of God. And so you've gotten a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and you've mixed it all together, and you're walking around like I told you at the first of this with a box of a handful of wires, and you don't really know where they go. You just got them. And so therefore, we begin to come up with crazy doctrines and God's not going to do this. I'm here today to tell you that I'm going to show you through this message that when Jesus Christ paid the price for you, he redeemed you from every curse there is. He redeemed you from the curse of poverty. He redeemed you from the curse of sickness. He redeemed you from the, from the, from the curse of no self-worth. He redeemed, redeemed you from the curse of anything the enemy could have put upon you. I'll show you where sin and sickness all came. 
from the devil, not God. Never came from God. And he redeemed you from it. I'm telling you that, that, that this message has inspired me to think about even as I get older, that I'm going to go out in style. I'm going to live to the, to the end of my full age, that whatever that is, and I'm, but I'm going out in style, man. I am going to be shining, beaming. Everybody's going to say, look at that crazy old man. Because I see now in the redemptive price that Jesus paid for me, I have my, my mind's been open and my understanding has come to a place where I can see that, man, there's not an enemy that can touch me. Because I'm, out of, I'm over here in grace. I'm not over there in that kingdom. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to gripe and complain. I don't want to murmur. I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to get in. I, don't want, I just don't want anything to do with it. I want to stay in grace and start walking in grace and living in grace. Because it's a lot better. Amen? So, put your Bible up. And this is what I got for you today. Lord, come play for me. I just want you to stop for just a minute. I want you just to be still before the Lord. Quit listening to any rumble that your stomach may have. And just stop and look down on the inside of you. And I've got a simple question for you today. Do you know you're in grace? You can't move on. And I can't teach you anything else unless you come to this place. You understand? Do you know you're in grace? That you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and you know that you're a new creation. Something's changed on the inside of you. You didn't get in grace by works. You can't get in grace by works. You can't just be a good person and get to grace. You can't be just, well, I've been in church all my life, Pastor. I've always lived my life and tried to do good. Folks, that doesn't get you in grace. I'm glad you have been, but what gets you in the kingdom of grace, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, is your faith of your profession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He went to the cross and died for you. He died for your sins. He poured His blood out on that mercy seat for you, for me. And when that revelation beats in your heart and you've called out to Him and you know you have, you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Then you then are in grace, the kingdom of grace. If you're not sure, well, then Romans chapter 10, verse 9 gives us plain instruction. It says, pray, confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, and you will be saved. It's plain instruction. It's your faith and your profession that takes you out of darkness into grace.
So with every head bowed, nobody looking around, give everybody some privacy around here. Have some respect for those around you. If you're not sure, well then lift your hand and say, yeah, pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. I want to pray today. I want to pray today. Amen. See that hand? Anyone else? I want you to be sure. Amen. See that hand? I want you to be sure. I want you to leave here today with confidence. You can go out skipping like an old fatted calf in the middle of an oat patch, knowing that you're in grace. Anyone else? You know, for all of those of you out there listening and watching today, right wherever you are, I just want you if, you, if this is your heart's pounding and you know that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, well, then right there, just call out to him and say, Jesus, come into my life. Today's the day. The day is the day that I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I confess with my heart, Jesus, you are Lord. And I believe you. I believe you. That you forgave me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. And he'll come into your heart right there. Now, I want to ask you just look at me for a minute. Everybody stand up if you would. So I have to assume there's a, if you didn't raise your hand, then I either, then, then you, that means you fall into one or two places. That means today that all the rest of y'all are in grace. That's where you're standing. You're in grace because you know you're saved. Or today you were just indifferent. You don't care. So let me speak to that for a second. If you're indifferent and you, you just said, I don't know. I don't know about all this. I want to tell you something. Be careful. Because the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And there, I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. I'm just telling you, hell's not nice. Don't believe it. I once had a man tell me, and it was the stupidest thing I've ever heard an individual say in my life. He looked at me and said, why do I want to go to heaven? He said, I, you want me to just, you, you're going to want to sit around on a cloud playing a harp forever? That's terrible. He said, I think I'd just be ready partying down in hell. And I said, let me tell you something, buddy. That song about partying down in hell is not true. There ain't going to be no party in hell. If you can imagine the absolute place where there is no presence of good. If you could even imagine it, it's worse than that. Because it is the absence of God. That's what hell is. And I said, playing a harp? I said, you got to be kidding me. Where do you find that? I said, I ain't going to be playing a harp. I said, matter of fact, you better hope that you just go ahead and die and go to hell because if I come back on my white horse with Jesus in the millennial reign and I got a rod and you're one of the ones left, I'm going to beat you. So you're not winning this battle. But see, people think like that sometimes. Listen to me. Do not think like that. There is nothing in this world system you won't. It only leads to separation of God. Oh, I'm like anybody else. I enjoy a good steak. 
That's part of the world, right? God gave us cows to eat them. I'm not a vegetarian and never going to be. I do eat my vegetables, but I like my meat. But what I'm saying to you is I'm not talking about not enjoying the world. I enjoy the beautiful things of the world. I'm talking about the world system. So if that's you and you're just indifferent today, please stop and think about what's going on. The rest of you, then I'm going to assume you're in grace. So look at the person beside you and say, hey, way to go, I'm in grace. So remember now, for you that are in grace, the word sin means restoring your broken fellowship. That's it. That's nothing to do with original. Has nothing to do with pulling you back into the world. It has to do with you having restored relationship with God. And we're going to get into that next week. Talk more about that. What you've been redeemed from. Amen? So let me have a few prayer team people come down if you would. Those of you that raised your hand, I want to meet with you right over here, at the, over here by the corner. So if you raised your hand during service, I want to meet with you over here and talk to you. I'm going to pray with you after service. But I got the prayer team down here. You may have some other issues you want to pray about, which is great. I believe God does miracles. Amen. So one more time, everybody say, I'm in grace. Grab that person's hand beside you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I declare and I speak over these people today that when the devil has held them captive, and yelled at them from the other side of the chasm that today they wised up. Today their ears are sealed to listening to His voice and just became tuned in to hearing the voice of God. I declare today that those that have been at the edge of the chasm looking over, Lord, it's a snap, a pop in their minds and they're, they're thinking and they get away from that and go on and have fellowship with God. Because truly the devil has no hold over us. The devil's power has been broken. So we're not going to listen to him. We're not going to get drawn away. And Lord, I just thank you for it. Now I thank you for this grace abounding to each and every person. Bless them, Lord, right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.